This is the Horse Radio Network. This is Episode 76 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Index Fund Advisors, IFA.com. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. And today we have Joe Camp, author of The Soul of a Horse and all those bingy movies. Remember those? And we have Julie Driver, a Pilates for Riders instructor. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thank you for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer again with me, Jen, today. How are you? Hello. I'm here. I'm exhausted, but I'm here. It's oh, we're no. into the holiday season. Ugh. I know. That's right. Have you started your shopping and all that stuff? Oh, no. Oh, oh no. <laughs> so we won't talk about that. But I bet you're exhausted too. But, uh, you know, I've been working hard to get ready for this radiothon, and I just have one little hour of the whole thing. How, how monstrous is this project for you guys? It's pretty monstrous. This is, the, this is the second year that we're doing it the holiday radiothon, which happens on Cyber Monday, which yeah. is uh, the Monday after Thanksgiving. And this year's uh, November 28th. Right. And uh, what we do is put on a live 12 hour long broadcast. God. Amazing. Yes. yes. And then, uh, as you mentioned, you have an, a whole hour because every hour we have sort of a different theme and a different co host. Glenn sticks around for the whole time because he can't possibly give up the microphone. <laughs> But, uh, I don't know if he can talk at the end of it, but he made it. <laughs> he made it last year. I was amazed. I'm like, did you like put pillows on both sides of him and prop him up or what? You know what was really tough. Tuesday. What? Tuesday. Tuesday was really Cyber tough. Tuesday. Yes. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah, yes. I bet. But how do you? I mean, getting ready for this must take hours. How do you keep your horses ridden, and how do you even feed them on Cyber Monday? What do you? What do you do? Well, um, we get help. Oh, that's good. We I'm get, really we get glad. lots of help, and we're going to have even more help this year. We kind of yeah. did it with a skeleton crew last year because yeah. it was our first time. We didn't know how it would go. So uh, yeah. this year we learned a little bit. We found out where we were lacking a little bit and where we need a little extra help. So we will have uh, – Wendy will be here with us again. She just lives in Sarasota a few hours away. So Dr. she comes Wendy up and spends the whole day in the studio with us. So Glenn, Glenn can take a break, and Wendy is on with the co-host of the hour. So he mm -hmm. can take a break once in a while. And I will also have an assistant this year. Good. Good. Well, it sounds so fun. So can you give us a little preview of uh, who might you have and what are some of the prizes? Because I know, I mean, it's Cyber Monday. We got to gotta do some shopping here, too. So what are, they, what are some of the prizes that you're... Well, uh, the, the Radiothon is pre presented this year by Weatherbeta, as it was last year. And I will let everybody know that there will be weather beta blankets as prize. <gasps> Those are great. Those are awesome. Yeah, that's right. And once again, horselovers.com is uh, sponsoring our listener voicemails. And what happens is uh, throughout the, the six or eight weeks before Radiothon, we listeners and fans of the show call in with holiday greetings. Say whatever you like. Happy holidays. Uh, do do a song. Yeah, there were silly. cute stuff last year. Cute, it was really adorable, cute. clever yeah. stuff. And we still have last year's up there. So you can go in back in and listen to it when you go oh, to the website. Oh, that's a good idea. Great yeah. Idea. And what happens is everybody who leaves a holiday voicemail on our voicemail line qualifies mm -hmm. to win a prize. <laughs> well, good. Okay, so when does that when does that open up so they know what to prime for? They is can it, do it. They can do it right now. Oh, whoa, guys, get in there! You could like, can they do more than one entry? You can enter several times if you like. Okay, yeah. I'm and figuring the, out angles here. Yeah, the voicemail <laughs> line is eight five nine four seven four zero two six one. Okay, and if good. that's too many numbers and letters to remember, all you need to do is go to the website, which is radiothon dot horseradionetwork.com. Oh, say that one more time. Sorry. It's just radiothon uh -huh. dot and then horseradionetwork.com. Perfect. Okay. And this is a podcast, so they can press pause and rewind a little bit they can, and do they it over can again. pause and rewind, but everything you need to know is there and has the phone number okay. on instructions right. on how to leave a voicemail and, and uh, 
what you qualify for. And we have about, it's right around $3,000 worth of prizes that we're going to be giving away throughout the day. Awesome. And I have to tell you, I mean, if people go and listen to those things, there's some stiff competition. Some of those jingles that people wrote, remember they wrote about the Dooley Halter last year. Somebody somebody did a jingle about the Dooley Halter. It was so clever. It was was really cute. So you got to get your adorable kids out, line them up or something, you know, get your reindeer to sing. (laughs) It was really Mm -hmm. good. And if you're not the voicemail sort obviously during radiothon we take calls all day long we have 10 phone lines open really so so folks can call in and uh wish everybody a happy happy uh tell us what their the the theme for this year's radiothon is your dream ride where where would you like to ride and what horse would you like to ride it can be a fantasy ride you want to ride a unicorn on the beach on mars (laughs) you know or it could be something from history, mm-hmm. um, or it could be something current, whatever you like. And the other one is if you're not a rider, or if you don't have a dream ride because you've already got your dream ride, mm-hmm. what is you and your horse's favorite holiday food treat? Ah, that's so funny. Because if it's if it's homemade, you have to give us the recipe. Yes, ah. that's required. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great theme. That sounds like so much fun. And dream ride. Every girl has sort of their beach theme or their mountaintop theme or something. Everybody will have a, I don't know about the Mars thing. That's just a little different. Well, but supposedly <laughs> Mars has beaches. Oh, cold. I hate cold. <laughs> <laughs> Not that kind of beach. Um, no, that'd be really fun. And, you know, and they should go out and, and ask all their friends to pull their ideas too. I want to oh, see yeah. a lot of, we had a lot of a lot listeners of really last cool year. They would get all their buddies at the barn together and they oh, just take shoot. their, they just take their cell phone to the barn with them. Um, oh, yeah. Had, you could just record on your phone. Yeah, phone. good they, idea. They were, some of them were recording just all the racket that happens in the morning when they feed, and they, they'd all scream happy <laughs> holidays in the background. And oh. uh, we had some who composed special songs, all kind of cool stuff. Fun, fun. Well, clever, clever people. And that reminds me, the people that we have on today, um, we have two interviews that I think are, um, they're really talented people. But exceptional is Joe Camp. I mean, he's an author a movie director, you know, the screenwriter of the thing. And he is not only famous for the Benji movies, which every kid grew up with Benji movies, but he got himself a couple of horses and uh, about, gosh, it's been probably 10 years ago now and started this journey changing his life from four-legged little dogs to equines. And his wife got into it with them. And now he is, I don't know how many books he's authored, Jen. I I can't even count him anymore. Several. And he's a jillion. Yeah. Something close to a jillion. And he's a blogger and his website's very cool. And we get to hear from him for the second time on Horsemanship Radio. So it was fun to catch up with him. And I think people are going to love these interviews. Hi, I'm Mark Hebner, president of Index Fund Advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts Willing Partners graduate. He's a sugar bear. (laughs) You know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. You need to find one that best suits you, your temperament, and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride and a more conservative investment portfolio. The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios, risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the Risk Capacity Survey at ifa.com. That's IFA as an index fund advisors. Or you can call us toll-free at 888-643-3133. That's 888-643-3133. Three one three three. Well, welcome, Joe Camp from Bell Buckle, Tennessee. Glad to have you back on Horsemanship Radio. Thank you, Debbie. It's so good to talk to you. It's always good to talk to you, though. Ah, that's sweet. We don't talk enough. I, I, I wanted to catch up with your herd today and tell us who's in the herd these days and a little about them. Uh, people have to go back and listen to our first interview um, because we had a we had a status report at that point, but it's been a while. How long has it been? I don't even. I Gosh, remember. I think about it. almost exactly a year. I think, Joe, but I'd have to go look if you tested me. <laughs> well, a herd is, is is made up of the same eight names. 
two of them are Mustangs. And, well, actually, three of them are Mustangs. One is a baby that was conceived in the wild and born here who is now four and a half years old. Wow. And uh, <clears throat> she is, I still have to call her baby from time to time. <laughs> she is my baby. She's. I've always wanted a horse that I knew everything about. Yeah. Because you know, most of ours, uh, we didn't. You know, we they had a history before they came to us, and we don't know mm-hmm. both from a dietary standpoint and from a lifestyle standpoint, the training standpoint, exactly what had gone on in their lives. Mm-hmm. And Skeeter, who is now, he'll be thirty in uh, oh, is that January, right? I think. Goodness. And he's twenty nine, and you know he had he was a team roper. Uh, in his former life, and probably never lived out of a stall. To the best information we can we can get, mm. and when we put him out, we were still in California when we put him out with the herd on the, that steep, dusty hill behind our house. Lovely paddock and, paradise kind of yeah, thing that you did and, for their feet. And, and, yeah, and, and feeding. he stood there. <laughs> For about two days, just with his mouth hanging open, saying, wow, what do I do? I mean, it took a while for his genetics to bubble up, but he's finally yeah. a horse now, and he's he's got three under him, actually, So because he started at the bottom. Yes, and yeah. And over time, he managed to, he's, he's, he's over Mouse, mm-hmm. and Mouse was at the bottom for a while, and Zeke came in, and... Uh, uh, Mouse was very quick. Mouse and Stormy both, Stormy's the baby Mustang, yeah. both jumped on that opportunity to not be <laughs> on the bottom. And Mouse got, somehow, she got a hold of Stormy before Stormy got a hold of her. So <laughs> Stormy knew what so happened. She's, oh, she's under Skeeter, and Skeeter's and, and, um, under Mouse is Stormy, and then poor Zeke at the very bottom. And, and that's uh, got to be one, yeah. Yeah. But they're all... You know, they're all good. They're all out 24. They had, last month's would be celebration of their seventh anniversary out 24-7 in what we were told was Founder Valley when we came over here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can't do that. You can't have your horses out 24-7. It's not possible over here. The grass is too lush and uh, they'll all founder and die. Yeah. Freaked me out, you know, because we'd already closed on the house. But... (laughs) But a little bit of research kind of uh, solved my issues because it's, yeah, the way most people keep their pastures over here, I'm sure that's true. I'm sure they would founder because they go in there and scrape them clean, put one kind of cool season grass in there and nothing else. No weeds, no brambles, no bushes, no berries, no trees. If there's a tree, they'll put a fence around it and they <laughs> yeah. plant it like a, like a lawn. You know, so it's so close together that a horse doesn't have to move all day. You just turn in a circle. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so, you know, we were very fortunate. God takes care of idiots, you know. And, and we, I had no clue about any of all this back then when we were first moving over here. Because, of course, we didn't have any grass in California. It was yeah, in Vista. Yeah, that's right. You know, dirt and rock. But it, it, uh, it turned out that... There had been nothing done with this property that they're on for nine years prior to our coming over. And so there was six or eight different, you know, native grasses on it and every weed and bramble and bush in the world and uh, trees of all kinds. And and so we did nothing to it whatsoever except plant some Bermuda every spring. Uh Because we're right on the cusp of latitudinally being able to grow Bermuda so it doesn't thrive as much as it did when I was a kid living in Memphis because I had to do the lawn. That was my allowance to go do the lawn. And I thought crabgrass and Bermuda were the two worst things I'd ever seen. They just go everywhere. But Bermuda, we're just far enough north. We're just south of Nashville in Bell Buckle, Tennessee. And uh, it does grow here, but it doesn't thrive like it did then down in Memphis, so we want to keep as much of that in the pasture as we can because it's a warm season grass. Warm season grass is much lower in mm-hmm. sugar content uh, than a cool go. season grass like Orchard or Timothy or 
fescue, which is the big one here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we just want to give them choices because, you know, a horse in the wild, if you know, if they have the choices that they need, they'll take care of themselves quite well, better than we do. And because uh, they know how to stay ahead of the curve and we don't, you know, we're always coming up behind, you know, the curve. So the best thing we could do for them is to get them into something that had a lot of choices. And then as Rick Lamb says, you know, get them set up for success and then get the heck out of the way. Get out of the way. Yeah, that's Let right. Them, well, you know, make before you knew a lot about grass though and you were out in Vista I will brag on you that you had a gator and that you would how many times a day go around plopping twice a day day. plopping feed out along this trail so that they moved along on the path and and ate at least as naturally as you could possibly afford so you were you're already a student we used three different kinds of hay to keep that circle going and it was straight up and down I don't yeah. think you ever saw it in person. But Only was, photos, uh, yeah. It was, uh, I mean, really, it was so steep that we were, we, it was scary to us in the beginning because we were, we, we knew nothing when we started. And, you know, every horse I'd ever seen been on a flat pasture somewhere. And I, before I got into wild horses and realizing how they evolved and what they, what their natural lifestyle is, uh, hills like that and boulders and places that horses can get hurt were just kind of naturally made me afraid mm-hmm. but that's really the kind of territory that they should be on and so we would take you know a little bit of orchard a little more of i mean a little bit of alfalfa and a little more orchard and then a lot of bermuda and go all the way around this thing and put this hay out and in, in you know 100 or 120 piles all the way around this it's only an acre and a half mm-hmm. but we were getting we we clocked it one 24-hour period and we were getting eight to 10, sometimes 12 miles a day out of them in movement because they go all the way around and clean out the alfalfa. Then they go all the way around again and clean out the the orchard. Then they go all the way around again and start on the Bermuda and take their time now because they weren't in a hurry anymore because there wasn't any more orchard to go get. The good stuff is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Was that your intent to actually get them? I didn't know that they would choose that way. They wouldn't just go from pile to pile. They would actually go around. Huh. That's yeah, they, I mean, somebody did a test one time on this, and I wish I had gotten a copy of it. But uh, alfalfa always appears to be like candy to mm. to them, and it's it's pretty high in protein. Yeah, and you know, I mean, you don't want to feed 100% alfalfa. A lot of people in, out in the West do. Yes, it's but true. it's too much calcium and and something else, magnesium, something. But the the Cal State, uh, I mean, uh. University of California in uh, Davis. Yeah, Davis. Uh-huh. Uh, did a study on this one time, and every one of the, I think they call them enterolis stones that they took out oh. of a horse mm-hmm. was in a horse that was eating either substantially all or completely all alfalfa. There you go. And it's just too unbalanced in the in the calcium to you know, to do that. But a little bit is good because it does have some protein in it. But anyway, they, they like it. But somebody did this test one time where he actually put out full complement of a, a regular grass hay, like, I don't know, Bermuda or Orchard or something. I don't know. I don't remember what the hay was that he put out. And as much alfalfa. In other words, they could cover their entire diet either way. Hmm. And And the first several days or a week or two they were taking out all the alfalfa and just barely touching the other one and as over time and i don't remember what the time period was either but it, you know six or eight weeks probably they started cutting back they started balancing themselves themselves all over with oh. their alfalfa was down to 20 percent amazing and that i so that's they do that you know that when they are in control, they, their bodies tell them what they need to to balance themselves. And you know, if they if they are having some kind of a liver issue, they go looking for a thistle, mm-hmm. and will sit and eat. A th- I've, I've watched one sit there and eat the flower of a thistle, which is mm-hmm. just as thorny as you can be, <laughs> and they just chop it down, and there it goes. But yeah, they yeah we take those. So anyway, in our, our, our guys have been so, our guys have been fine. You know they. Uh-huh. They, because they are, 
getting a real wide balance over here. And a lot of people ask if we still do the Pet of Paradise thing, and, it, and it, not as such, but we do continue to use Bermuda hay in the summertime, okay. about a bale a day, half a bale in the morning, half a bale at night, and little bitty piles stretched out as far as we can because it gives them another choice for a low season, I mean a warm season grass that's low in sugar, and it also helps with the movement because they play musical hay piles, you know, right. as long yeah, as no, the I hay lasts, you know, pushing that. each other out, and so they get extra movement there, and we like to run it up the hill because they, both of our pastures here are Right. Pretty much like in California, except they have grass on them, but they're really steep. You get some and exercise. They'll go up the hill straight, but when they come back down, they slalom back I love and it. forth, yeah. and back and forth. So they get about four times the movement coming down as they would if they were on a flat surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. So, anyway, so do you I, supplement too, Joe? I mean, do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we we do some. Uh, the soils over here are really low. Soils everywhere are low in mineral content of various and sundry kinds, but the soils over here are, are especially low. In fact, they are depleted of selenium, copper, and zinc. Mm. So we we give them a full complement of 70-plus minerals. It's called Blooming Minerals. Uh, and it's, they get a little bit in their feed, and then there's a free-choice bucket out there. And then we have a free-choice bucket of uh, uh, Dr. Dan's Red Cow, which is a sea salt a unprocessed sea salt that has a few trace minerals in it. And uh, we we use uh, Omega Fields uh, products, treats in particular, because they have a new low-sugar, low-starch treat oh, yeah. that has a very, very low NSC rating, and there's nothing sweet in it. There's no molasses. There's no grain. There's nothing that can turn to sugar when it goes in the body. And the first time in history, as we know, you know, against Monty's preachings, you know, we train with treats. And we don't have the the uh, dexterity and, and... Timing, yeah, he's good. He has. <laughs> so we, and I'm lazy anyway. But, <laughs> so I've always been guilty, you know, because it's... You can't pick, a, pick up a bag of treats and, and look at the label sometime. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I was in the feed store the other day, and, and I, I, I had just run out and needed to get some, and my order wasn't coming until, you know, several days. And they didn't have the ones I wanted, the Mega Fields ones. So I was just looking at the other ones, and it was just, it's scary. I mean, what they put loaded with molasses, loaded with grain, which turns to sugar when it goes in the body. It and smells good, you know. It's like little magnets for their, their noses, though. They, yeah, they love yeah. It's, uh, I love your heart, Joe. I love, you know, when you and Kathleen, when we first met, what is that, eight years ago now, you said? Eight or nine years ago? Oh, no, surely, surely it was before that. Oh really? Oh, sorry about that. But yeah, I, I, the book, the book, the book came out in, in 08. Oh, there you go. The first okay. book, the Soul of a Horse. You know. Oh, have you ever told? Have you ever said publicly? Thirteen, Thirteen books. Oh my gosh. Have you ever publicly told anybody what the first working title of your first book was? <laughs> oh, <laughs> was it that way when you read it? When, yes. When Marty, when you read it to Marty. Yes. Was it? Oh, I hadn't changed the title yet. No. <laughs> what, what happened? The, the original was called the Naked Horse. Thank you. Okay. And that was our. That was our. Uh, and it, it, you know, it meant everything positive. <laughs> yeah, it was. No, totally. It, it's just the it, SEO it, on that, the search engine. And, and on the, the website was nakedhorsemanship.com and you know right. all that kind of stuff, and. <laughs> Somebody at Random House <laughs> Googled it, or their kid Googled it, or something, and you Uh-oh. can imagine what came up with the word "naked" not. in no, there. And and they said, "Hey, I think we we have a pro- Houston. We have a problem." <laughs> have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. so it became the soul of a horse. The soul of a horse, which is glad just that been happened yeah. Before. yeah, glad that happened. Yes, yeah, that's right. Glad somebody Googled back then too. But, but yeah, no, it's a it's a beautiful book. It's a beautiful story, and I just love your heart and Kathleen's heart. I you know I remember you telling me that Kathleen said something about. When you first thought about writing that book, you just hoped that it would help, you know, one horse and human relationship. And uh, if you could change 
just one for the better, you would have been successful. But uh, can you imagine how many people you have now influenced and at least got them thinking about different uh, ways to just get natural with their horse? And um, we thank you for that. Best is in the tens of thousands around the planet. Tens of thousands. It's it's amazing. And, you know, we get emails still every day. And, of course, Born Wild is a a direct Mm -hmm. sequel to The Soul of a Horse. It picks up right where The Soul of a Horse and gets into our Mustang period and and what we went through with our two Mustangs and so forth. Mm-hmm. And then there's several others, you know, that are specific to cases like horses and stress, for example, and mm-hmm. whatnot. But, but, uh, you're yeah, a wonderful example of a student, though. Somebody who, yeah, you're around animals. Benji would be a home run, I would say, on on the animal-human uh, relationships. Uh, but to to really say that you you know the line, the day almost in which you began your horse education and to have learned so much. You're literally an encyclopedia now of trying to get out of the way of our interference in life's and our, our horses' lives. So it's it's right. wonderful to watch. It is uh, it's it has been a terrific, terrific, blessed ride. You know, I feel blessed all the time, both with Benji and the horse uh, uh, end of it, because it. I don't know when I got when I got into it, and I was, uh, we didn't know we didn't have a clue. You know, our horses were in stalls, and they were wearing shoes and eating from a bag at table heights, and you know all the things that are directly. Traditional, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, directly opposite what they should be doing. Well, you know? yeah. <laughs> we, and, know how to, we know how to screw it up. <laughs> they, uh, uh, I mean, some people have to do it sometimes, but, you know, when you put a horse in a stall, just the fact of putting a horse in a stall, they, they, somebody did a, ran a test on that. How, many, how much movement does a horse in a stall get in a day? And it was 800 steps. As opposed to the the you know twelve to twenty miles a day a horse will move when he's out in the wild, right. munching and foraging and looking for water and running from mm-hmm. predators and mm-hmm. all of that kind of mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Yeah. And that's why movement is so important because through the evolution of the horse, the, everything in his body depends on that movement. Is you know his skeletal but his digestive system everything depends mm-hmm. on getting that movement uh all the time and it depends on eating 18 to 20 hours a day not mm-hmm. you know having meals and we we have our supplement but our our foundation for supplement is a product called triple crown chopped chop grass forage i think is what they call it and that's all it's at orchard and timothy chopped up in a bag uh, and that's it, you know, yeah, and, you and we use that because it's grass and that's what a horse will be eating in the wild is 80 to 90% of the time. He will be eating grass little bits at a time, munching and their digestive systems, you know, their, their acid and runs 24 seven hours doesn't, you know, hours is, right. turns on and off dependent upon whether food's in the you know, vicinity. Yeah. We're carnivores. They're, they're right. just running 24 hours a day. And if they're not munching that, that grass hay or grass, you know, 24 hours a day or 18 hours a day or whatever, 20 hours a day, uh, the acid has nothing to work on, but the stomach, stomach lining. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's and intestine. That's come from. That's know, right. That's right. And the stress of, of not being able to be out and see the horizons Yeah, it affects the mind, too, not just the body, but it does affect the mind, too. Not everybody, you know, we're not making any judgments here because not everybody can get it done. But thank you, Joe, for being an example and Kathleen for supporting you in this, too. And uh, and to keep learning and trying to figure out ways that we can make that happen for people, not just demand it, but but uh, suggest and work on ideas and and to share ideas. Your your Facebook people should go on your blog. People should. you know, just I, I plug saw in. A, I saw a, a, a paddock paradise one time. It was on a piece of land about the size of a moderate barn footprint that was, mm, you, you know, go. like 100 by 150, maybe, max. And it was a maze, you know, mm-hmm. where it just go down one side and back the other and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And there was about 
10 or 15, it was like, did the calculation. It was like seven football fields long is yeah. how much the you can horse, get in how there. much ground the horse would cover yeah, if, right. if he went from one end of the maze to the other. And then, of course, feed is the, the, the hay is what really determines the movement, not just putting up, putting them in a, yeah, you know, uh-huh. environment. a track. But yeah. by stretching that hay out all the way through, the horses are doing the same thing they're doing out here in our pasture. You know, yeah. they're playing musical hay piles all day, and it's uh, and so there. You know, there are ways and means to make the horse's life better. Yeah. You know, and yeah, that's awesome. And that page that where I think you actually pull that quote from on our website is on a page called happier, healthier horses around the world or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's stories that people have sent us about, well, I just didn't think I could do anything. My horse was in a stall or is this or is that or something else. And then I got to working on it, got to thinking about it and said, I am going to make a chime. I'm going to do something. That's and they it. did. And it, and some of the weirdest and strangest things that, that they've been able to accomplish to give their their horses, yeah. you know, a better life. And a First choice life. is desire. That's it. Yeah. And you've, yep. you've done that for us. Yep, motivation. Well, thank you, Joe. Thanks for joining us again. I'd love to have you back. Uh, just anytime, anytime. And okay, you promise. Call anyway, and we'll catch up. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it. I would love it. And say hi to Kathleen for me and all the horses. Give Mouse a hug. She already said hi. Okay. And, uh, because she knew we were going to talk, and Mouse is... Uh, you wouldn't believe Mouse right now. Good oh. Lord, she is so big. People and have to go back and hear our first episode where we talked a little bit about how you acquired Mouse. And Kathleen saying, a baby? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, she, and she was. You know, yeah. I was told both you know, at Monty's and now that, uh, in Iowa that she was you know, about one. But based on Tiny. those two-year-old teeth come in, she was about seven months. Mm-hmm. And I believe it because I was taller than, you know, I could hold my hand out and it'd go right across her ears. Mm-hmm. And she, I can now walk under her with my hat on and not touch. <laughs> wow. She's, She's beautiful, too. She's huge. But Just gorgeous. She found a good home. Thank you, Joe and Kathleen. <laughs> All right, Joe. Thanks again for joining us. Got to run. Thank you for having me and uh, call again. I will. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. We all hear about omega-3 and how important it is for your horse's nutrition. But why? Well, simply put, horses were created to get all of their nutrition from live natural grasses. Omega-3 is an essential fat found in many types of live grasses, and it's critical to the horse's health. If they were living on live grasses 24-7, they would be receiving enough omega-3. But in today's world, most horses are fed commercial feed and forage as their primary nutrition, and most of these are lacking in omega-3. That's where Omega Fields comes in. All of Omega Fields' flax-based products provide a balanced, essential profile of Omega-369 and may be helpful in alleviating problems related to skin, coat, hoof, joint, and sand colic. One of Omega Fields' terrific products is Omega Horse Shine. Omega Horse Shine is an Omega-3 stabilized ground flaxseed supplement for horses to help maintain a shiny, healthy coat, strong, solid hooves, and top performance for horses in all life stages. Omega Fields provides the best human-grade, non-GMO ground flax that can help horses with dry, scaly, itchy skin, joint pain and inflammation, poor hoof growth, allergies, and more. Don't just listen to Debbie and I. Alexandra, a customer of Omega Field, says any horse I ever own, I will feed them Omega Horse Shine, and I will recommend it to anyone. You can get your Omega Horse Shine today at OmegaFields.com, or just for our listeners, get 15% off using the coupon code MONTY2015. All one word, it's MONTY2015 for 15% off your next order at OmegaFields.com. That's OmegaFields.com. Julie Driver's life's events keep pulling her back to horses. She's a Pilates instructor, a blogger, and a mother of two who's always loved horses. After taking Bonnie Roberts' courses, she wrote a blog called Horse Whispering to Your Children. 
She has great results from observing the horse and the rider together in the field and then giving the rider a class based specifically around their riding. Pilates for Riders is a workshop she loves to share. Well, welcome, Julie Driver. We're so excited to have you on. We've, we've figured out that you're in England now, but let's hear that accent. How are you? Hi, nice to be talking to you, Debbie. Hi, I'm very excited. I'm glad. I'm glad you've stayed up very late to be with us too. I appreciate that. So we put you up first here today. Ah, that's very nice. I'm so excited to hear some things about what you've been doing since I first learned your name back in, I don't know, what was it, 2008 when you came out to the farm? Was it earlier? You know what? It was 2004. Goodness (laughs) sakes, we're getting old. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. I've got children now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You've got twins now, too. I well, have. In, yeah. in 2004, you took a course out at the International Learning Center at Flag is Up Farms, and then all hell broke loose in your life, um, besides yeah. the twins, I mean. Um, and and you, um, you were pretty much on your way to becoming a, a horse instructor and a training instructor using join up methods and everything what that's, what that's uh, right. sidetracked you yeah what sidetracked well i had uh, my husband is a very keen skier and we went skiing and i had um quite a, a traumatic skiing accident which left me um hospitalized and i had to learn to walk again so clearly when that happens to you, it, you it's not very good being around horses and mm. um then i had to have the leg broken again the following year and reset so oh. i decided that horses just needed to be put on hold for a while <laughs> yeah yeah I'm sorry to hear that but you didn't put children on hold so you 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 since had twins how old are they now they're four they just started school in the UK so they're four uh, yeah fun fun I bet they're adorable and what I love about you I was um reading some some things that you've written and you do a blog and um I read the one that featured horse whispering to your children now I was intrigued yeah, absolutely yeah. tell us a little bit about that well, the one thing my husband and I agreed on immediately when we found out was I was pregnant was we wanted to use Monty's methods. We'd both read his book and obviously been to the farm and, and, and met him and spent time with him. And it was very clear to us that everything he said would work so well with our children. So right from them being on the, the nappy changing mat, we, <laughs> we, we did his methods with them. And it was it's been incredible. We've had no tantrums well we that's that's not actually strictly true we have had a few tantrums but not <laughs> I hope so. not, not that, that I expected it's that's been, great now you've got people wondering I'm sure as they're listening to this like did he did you use the dually halter on them or was this a, a join up <laughs> in the round pin <laughs> tell us what does um, it look like for that yeah what we did was the uh, the idea of giving the children back the power in the relationship, even when they were on the, like I said, on the nappy changing table, uh, when they're wriggling around and they don't want to have their nappy changed because you've distracted them from their play of saying to them, you know what, you could be here and you can play, you can wriggle around, but your nappy needs changing. So if you, if you lie still, it'll be done really quickly and you'll be back playing before you know it. Or you know what, you stay here, you mess about and it takes twice as long. It's your choice. Ah, choice. That's it. It's your this choice. Is what you're hearing in there is choice. And nappies for our American yeah. friends are diapers. We should. Sorry, a diaper. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. So, uh, yeah. So it's a choice based. Um, so it's giving uh, them the choice. Yeah, children so have got, so little power over things in their life. So allowing them the little bit they can have, it, it seems to it, it has worked. And we we couldn't use the word contract, which is the word that Monty suggested in his book because they were tiny with two bigger words so we used the word deal deal so now they use that they were they also there was a deal so it's been very very powerful that's great that's great you guys and i and you know i know that you got that from the horse sense for people book which is um that's right that's right yeah and we call that the boyfriend and husband book because a lot of a lot of women involved (laughs) in the horse industry (laughs) and and the guys don't get it you know like like i don't get it and they and you just say hand, hand them this book, right? You just say yeah. read this book and you're, you'll get it. But um, but yeah. I love it that actually it was your husband who who got you reacquainted yeah. with the horse side of it again. Tell that story. Absolutely. I love it. Absolutely. So um, earlier this year, Monty was in the UK for the Queen's 90th birthday celebrations, and he and Kelly Marks organised an afternoon tea. And for my birthday present, my husband gave me a ticket to go mm. and spend time with Monty. And what I actually wanted to do was to just go and say I had used 
Monty's techniques with our children and to say thank you to him and the, the, the work I had originally thought I would be doing had never happened, but I had managed to find a way of using the work I had learned. And then when I was in the room with Monty, he had his, his amazing way of being so perceptive and intuitive. And he pulled out of me through talking to me what I really was wanting to do. And he, he's a very sensitive man, is Mr. Roberts. And um, he, he gave me the inspiration to, um, to, to, to follow my dream again. That's great. So you want to get back into the horses, which is so cool. That I mean, that tells me a lot that sometimes people do give up on their dreams and they and they think I'm too old, I'm too, you know, broken, I'm too young, I'm too everything. And um yeah. And I, I don't think it's true. I think if it the desire is in there, what do you think? Absolutely. The the desire was always there. Um the expression I think I've used to, to friends is that I just it was parked. It was their horses get in your blood, as I hope everybody listening to this knows. That they're, they're, they're almost like a drug that when they're in there, they're, they're, you, you, they can be latent for years. And it was almost like I had a midlife crisis when I came to the farm back in 2004. I suddenly needed to be around horses. And, and it kind of reemerged like that, this sudden desire of I need to follow this path. There's something here that works and I believe in it and I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to do it and see what happens. Good girl. Good girl. Yeah. And, and uh, th- there's so much that is being carried over in your life. But what do you? What is the choice base that you loved about the horse training methods? Why did it seem to work for you? Because you've been around horses since you were. Well, I love the uh, story of you and your girlfriend tying chairs together and and practicing <laughs> your horse. Tell tell everybody that one. That's great to me. That was new to me. <laughs> So when when I was um, probably about seven years old, my my girlfriends and I we we, we were desperate to look, to learn to horse ride and to be around horses. But because where we lived, we couldn't we didn't have direct access to them. We used to tie two kitchen chairs together, and we would sit on one and then tie string or a scarf or something to the one in front of us and to pretend it was the reins and we would pretend it was the horse and that one of them was would shout out right turn left and we'd do the aids for turning left or and and that's how I learned to ride on the kitchen chair you learned to ride on a kitchen chair (laughs) I love that it seemed to work it seemed to transfer it's a transferable skill (laughs) yeah it's a transferable skill but at least you got some of that oozing out of you 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 get some horsemanship in there somewhere yeah absolutely absolutely yeah, but you carried on. You carried on, and you did buy your own horse, and um, you know, and that's a perseverance lesson too. Because yeah. I don't think your parents were going to foot the bill for that, right? No, no. It was made very clear that that they would support me in you know going to the stables for lessons. But if I wanted a horse, I had to buy it myself, and so I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did, and I used to cycle three three miles, or that's about four and a half five kilometers to the stables muck him out, put him in the field, ride him, look after him, and then cycle home again. That, yeah, and you was, lived in... how much it meant. Yeah, that is a... I lived that's, in... That's London? I lived in Yorkshire. I lived in Yorkshire's mm-hmm. which is in the north of England. So. North of England, yeah. Yeah, not not a lot of stables just surrounding you or anything there, no. Um, in, the, in Yorkshire, it, it's quite where I was in, grew up in Yorkshire. I was in a town, but there is a lot of... There's a lot of horse life in Yorkshire, but in central London... There aren't that many horses, mm-hmm. apart from the queens. Yeah, that's right. She's got a spot. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it is cute to go up and down the streets of London, though. I occasionally turn down a little alleyway and see a head, a horse head popping out of a stable that they, they yeah. still do. Yeah, they still do. More so than like Los Angeles that we have here or anything I'm else. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so what are your plans going forth from here? What are your plans for educating yourself? Uh, are you going to continue the the blog that I've been reading and what's, what's your, what's your sense? My, my aim is I'm, I'm now Pilates teacher. I've been teaching for 16 years and what I would really, really love to do is to um, focus on bringing rider and horse together. So looking at the Pilates for the rider and how Pilates as a system helps people to um, bring some quietness into their riding is the way I would express it. And also potentially and eventually come back to California and finish my studies with Monty so I can offer more of a, a complete package of horse and rider work. Mm-hmm. That That is that is my ultimate dream. And I'm somewhere working towards it right now in that I'm doing the Pilates with the riders 
and it's it's great it's working so well I'm 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 so happy that I've I'm having a go I'm giving it a go yeah so tell us you have a 90 minute workshop that's designed to uh as a starting point for teaching writers yeah tell us about that that that's that's correct it's um after I saw Monty at the afternoon tea I got received an email the very next day asking if I would like to present a workshop of my own choice um at a, at a conference and it was as if the stars had aligned and suddenly it was I was being given the opportunity that I'd been looking for so I devised it's a 90 minute workshop for aimed at giving teachers who actually are riders or who teach riders um a window onto the world of horses and, and riding and how there are certain exercises that really do help facilitate the rider in the saddle with the horse and it's, it's I've had some really great feedback and it does seem to be Pilates works for all sports it works for all activities but there are certain parts of it that, that resonate so well I think with horse riding and with the, because there are two two bodies involved and it's, mm. it's it's quite exciting watching people ride and then getting them into the Pilates studio and working with them and then learning about how that work has then been transferred back into the saddle at a later date. It's really exciting. So it's not just strength training. There's there's some sort of core coordination that's going on there with Pilates. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Well, the, the original name for Pilates was Contrology. And then when mm. Joseph Pilates died, it became known as Pilates. But what we look at, we look at, um, it's not just about movement. It's also about stillness and how we, we use ourselves, how we use our body to um, to communicate with the horse. So um, when I look at riders, I look at, I almost want to see them not doing anything. It looks mm. like they're not doing anything. And the beauty of Pilates is it teaches you how to be stable when you need to be stable and how to be able to move effectively when you need to move and which bits need to be still and which bits need to be moving. So if you are in the saddle, you can, when you need to just be there with the horse riding and you don't need to do any aids, you're not jiggling about, you're not wiggling about, you have the strength and the stamina to be Mm -hmm. in the saddle quietly. And then when you do make the unnecessary aids that you need, it's very clear to the horse that is an aid. That's not just a shifting of weight in the saddle or mm-hmm. somebody having a wriggle or scratching their, you know, their arm mm-hmm. or their nose. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. I love how you say that there are two partners out there in the arena and um, that the horse is doing their part and that we, we need to try to do ours as well. Have you found your, your riding improving with this uh, Pilates approach? Sadly, at the moment, I'm not actually allowed to ride. I have, oh. um, as for my skiing accident, I have um, a protruding metal plate, mm. which my orthopedic surgeon has said, you know, if I take a knock to that or I fall or anything mm. happens, or if I get kicked, it would be pretty nasty. So I have surgery scheduled for January. So uh-huh. by, by February, I'll be able to answer your question, Debbie. Okay, good. <laughs> well, how about your how about your students then? You're, you're probably getting... Yes some results now i'm getting yeah i'm getting some great testimonials from people who have um well i've gone into the ring actually into the arena with them and i've looked at transitions up transitions down um on a circle in a straight line and then taken that if if, if possible film it because then you can actually show them as well what you're looking at Mm -hmm. and then put them straight into the pilates studio onto the machinery and worked on exactly what we've seen and then left them with exercises like homework Mm-hmm. And then the next time they've gone into the arena with their teacher, how they've, I've had feedback from what's happened, how it's changed their riding, or if it's improved it, if it's helped, wh- why it's helped and where it's helped. So I am getting testimonials in now, which is fabulous. That's great. So is your studio right next to the arena? So you say field work and you're talking about being so close in proximity. Does that help? To, so they the memory? Yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky that I have... Um, where I used to live in, in Yorkshire, there is um, a lady there who has a beautiful arena and, and then a Pilates studio next to it. And so I've been able to go there and do that. Otherwise, there is the opportunity for people to video themselves and send them to me and then come mm-hmm. for a lesson. So it's it's very much dependent on, per, on where people are based. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I don't think you only can work in that way with Pilates. I think any Pilates will be a benefit to riders, but the way I've been working, that's the way I've been working, mm-hmm. is being very, very specific about what I see in the arena. But I think okay. if, if people can get to any kind of Pilates lesson, the, the benefits 
of the way we learn to disassociate the limbs from the spine so that when you're holding your reins, when your legs are in the stirrups, you are able to move from there and not interfere with the spinal movement or if you need to move your spine, you're, you're able to be on your sit bones, you're able to move efficiently and cleanly and so you're not disturbing the horse too much with, with huge unnecessary movements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So it doesn't matter if it's mat work or table work, Pilates tables? I think either either is great. I think if, if what you have access to is a local mat work class where it's a large group, the best fit will still be there. Clearly, I think if you're able to be with somebody who can be a little bit more specific to you, the, the, the benefit will be greater sooner. Mm-hmm. But whatever people can get to, I, I I think it's really worth having a try at Pilates and, and seeing how it affects your riding and, and how it can help. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine it hurting. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is quite a, it's it's great for stretching. It's great for strengthening. I, I, I'm a believer yeah, in it too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because the, the, for me, it was not just about what happens to the person when they get off their horse and when they go home it's about making yourself the best you can be for when you are in the saddle in preparation for riding Mm -hmm. that remembering that there is an animal underneath and how they're asymmetrical we're asymmetrical making the best of of our own asymmetries so that when we're on on this living moving breathing creature we're not being too interfering with their own asymmetry in their body oh good good okay well we want to follow Oh, it does to me. It does to me. I don't know. I, I don't know what everybody else is thinking. I hope yes, so. <laughs> um, well, it's been My, fun. This has been fun to know. Mm-hmm. Where will we see you next? Where should people get a hold of you? I have a website, which is www.juliedriverpilates.com. Okay. I have a, my own small studio in London. And um, and also, I'm, I'm happy to travel at the moment. Um, I'm more than happy to experiment with people and because I'm learning constantly as well. Um, so I am also going to be presenting at a conference in February, Madrid. So in Madrid, I'm Spain. Okay. Madrid. That's yeah. Awesome. yeah. That's next February. Yeah. And do you get out to the, do you go to the U S as well? At all, as well? I am coming to Phoenix in two weeks, two weeks today, but I'm not presenting. I'm just coming to attend a conference and to, to catch up with friends. Fantastic. And I'm hoping next year to be, to be down and come and see you at Slaggy's Up Farm as well. I really want to come back and say hello to everybody. Oh, I hope you do. I hope you do, Julie. Well, it was really fun to have you. I appreciate it. And we'll stay in touch and we'll have you, you up you. on the website. Yep. Great. Thank you so much, Debbie. Thanks for joining us on Horsemanship Radio. Thank you. Bye-bye. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place in The magic in the language of Dear Monty, I have a horse that is one-sided. He is perfectly fine to handle on one side, but I can do nothing with him on the other. What do I do? Monty's answer. This one-sidedness can result from either of two opposite causes. It could be that the horse has been handled virtually entirely on the good side, ignoring the opposite side, or it could be that the horse has been abused on the bad side. No matter which is the case, the process to correct it is virtually the same. I suggest that you do use join-up. I recommend three or four sessions on consecutive days or until your horse is relaxed, following you and perfectly comfortable being with you. Having accomplished a good join-up or even two, I would add to that two or three sessions with the dually halter. I would then begin to work on the bad side with an artificial arm. The artificial arm will allow you to work effectively with your adrenaline down. Gradually gain the trust of your horse and this problem will go away. I make an artificial arm often using a hard wood cane with the figure seven variety. That means that there is almost no crook in the handle. I wrap it in a sponge and tape the sponge in place and with the whole cane covered in sponge, a glove can be placed over the figure seven. You can stuff the glove with bits of cloth to fill it out and make it hand-like. 
The top of the seven goes in the thumb, making the fingers soft and the thumb stiff. Having taped the glove in place, I recommend that one put a sleeve from an old sweatshirt or some such piece of clothing over the handle of the cane. Most canes are a bit short, so I extend them by tightly wiring on a couple of feet of discarded wooden rake handle. This instrument will enable you to keep out of the danger zone while working to rub, scratch, or even lift a hind leg using the figure seven cane, allowing you to relax in the certain knowledge that you are safe. Once the horse allows the artificial arm to rub him all over on the bad side, then the handler can add to the degree of difficulty. A tiny little plastic bag will seem like a lethal weapon to a horse such as you have described. A good job of working with this small plastic bag will soon set up your horse so that you can have half a dozen big plastic bags on the artificial arm and rub them generously with them. All the time this work is being done, a good horse person will be thinking of encouraging the horse to understand that this side of his body can be touched without force or pain. If his fear is simply inherent and the re not the result of harsh treatment, the system I have outlined here will be just as effective. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to www.montyroberts.com and click on the orange banner that says, Get Free Horse Tips. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it too on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider, it doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online, too, on our forum. And there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, at Flag is Up Farms in Solvang, California. On December 9 through 11, Monty is hosting another, it's his fifth this year, Horse Sense and Healing Clinic for veterans and first responders. And then Mon Monty is home for Christmas, and he's charging his batteries for tour dates in 2017. So does, does the Roberts mm -hmm. family have a big get-together at the holidays? Big, big, big get together. We do. We, everybody comes to the ranch and we have friends and friends of friends and foster kids that grew up in the house and generally, and they kind of come and go. It's not like everybody's there on Christmas day necessarily, but mm -hmm. they, you know, cause they do their own family traditions and everything too. But there's about a three day window right there. Where yes. It's just, where it's just constant party. It's fun. Yeah. It's food, 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 food. And, and people come through and continuous. Yeah. Oh, it's lovely to see you. Yeah. Yeah, cool. it's lovely. Yeah, it'll be really fun. I hope we get lots of visitors. You know, I've met some of some dear friends. Actually, I, I met somebody that eventually became one of our certified instructors who was just I brought her family over from Denmark uh, and was for the holidays. Solving is really a cute place to come and, and visit. Anyway, yeah, it. you've yep. been, been there. there. It's yeah, adorable. it's it's really fun. So they were there. They wandered onto the farm. We were all wandering around the farm ourselves, riding and everything, and and got to meet people. So we really we really mean it when it says visitors welcome on the outside. It's true. There you go. And uh, I recommend to flag us up farm and Solvang, California to everybody because we went there. Was it last year? Yeah, it was a, a year ago fall. A year yeah. ago fall. And mm -hmm. it is a lovely place and a lovely farm and lovely people. Thank you. There you it go. was. And it was really fun to have you. All of the information about what Monty is doing and when he's doing it, you can go to the website. It's MontyRoberts.com. Or you can give them a call there at Flag is Up Farm and get the latest. It's 805-688-6288. And for details about today's show... Go to horsemanshipradio.com and you'll find links, photos, and more information about our fascinating guests. Mm -hmm. And we love to hear from you. Go to Facebook. Search Monty Roberts. Join the fun. Give us some feedback because that's what helps us make this show fantastic. Mm -hmm. And if you are the 150 characters or less type, you can mm -hmm. follow Monty Roberts on Twitter. His handle is Monty underscore Roberts. And Glenn's favorite part, go get the app. Glenn's very proud of our Get app. the app. And lots of people <laughs> use it. Get the app. It's available yeah. for iPhone or Android. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network and download it today. It's free and easy to use. Or yep. if you're old school, don't forget, 
You can subscribe via iTunes. <laughs> that's right. I can't believe you're saying that's old school, but you know, it just makes me feel old, but I guess it is. I guess it is. Well, and many thanks to our sponsors who are not old school. They're very high tech. We've got IFA.com and we've got Omega Fields, the greatest in science and, and, um, nutrition these days. And we've got my, that's right. Yeah. Just like, uh, Oh, we're going to have a, we're going to have one about a Palomino, a shiny Palomino on that Omega fields too. He looks awesome. Rafael Pale. And, um, with the other one is MontyRobertsUniversity.com. And I mean, even that the most advanced, um, um, high tech, but still simple. And Nigel and I use Monty Roberts online university. Good. Good. Thank you very much for yeah. that support. And, yeah. And thank yet yeah, thank you very much to the university that I have I now have a horse who loads and stands in the trailer and unloads happily and quietly. Oh, so that warms to- my heart. Thank you. Thank you for that. I know I do I think that's actually one of the the top things about the, the you know, getting the whole uh, lesson calm and quiet and and loading is like everybody has high adrenaline for loading. So um yeah, the university has Four four hundred and twenty nine lessons as I as we speak right now yeah. up there. Yeah. They're and broken down into little short segments, mm-hmm. easy to understand, yeah. visual. Yeah, 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 really great. And yeah, we've not only got categories, but there's a search bar that's just amazing too. So you know, it, put in anything, and I dare you, you'll come up with like three ways to do it. It's great. Awesome. (laughs) Yes. And be sure to visit all the other great shows too. get great tips on the horse radio network at www.horseradionetwork.com. And until next time, have many happy horse hours.